Hi, welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ. I hope you had a good week. I mostly didn't, but uh, I don't want to get into that. I want to talk about TV. But before I do that, I I thought of a story that I don't think I've I've talked about on here, and uh, I maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you won't. Look, all I can do is put it out there, and how you react is out of my control. But uh, on on blank check this week, Griffin was talking about how he was at a wedding over the weekend. Uh, if I understand correctly, it's uh, it was the wedding of uh, of the co-host of the House of House podcast, which is uh, similarly co-hosted by my friend Lenny, and I was on that show a couple months ago. Uh, it's a, a House Rewatch podcast. And that was very fun, by the way, and I don't think they will ever have me back on. Uh, not a slap at them or any kind of implication but I've seen who they've had as guests before and since and <laughs> brother I am the <laughs> unknown anomaly <laughs> like if anybody scrolls down their their list of guests you know scrolls down the episodes and you, you know you're gonna see names you've heard from other podcasts and, you know social media stuff and uh then you hit EJ Fettis it's like who then you can't even explain who that is to most people. Uh, so yeah, they were they were seriously slumming by having me on, and uh, I I appreciate it. It was very fun, and I'd do it again in a second. But uh, they, <laughs> you know what? They can do better. Um. But uh, anyway, Griffin Newman was talking about how he was asked to. Uh, give, give a speech at the reception like 10 minutes before before it started and that uh, like reminded me that happened at my brother's first wedding and I feel like a dick by saying his first wedding but I'm you know placing it in time I guess because I didn't speak at the second wedding I, I heckled a speaker um <laughs> <laughs> which was actually very funny. One of the bride's sisters spoke and immediately in their speech, they said, uh, when I first met Dave, I really didn't care for him. And I said, join the club. <laughs> oh, I'm a bad brother. Um, but uh, so I was asked to give a speech after the reception had started. So I was not at, at all prepared. <laughs> And the first thing I did was ask my sister if she had any uh, heartwarming stories about him. Because, I mean, they're twins. They probably have a secret language or something. And the only thing she had was, uh, talk about that time I tricked him into eating a, a turd. Which is true. She wrapped up a rabbit turd in, like, a Tootsie Roll wrapper and gave it to him. And here's the thing. Even as a child, she was astonished that he ate it because... It's clearly a turd. Like, it's in a Tootsie Roll wrapper, but it is not at all the shape and size of a Tootsie Roll. And it's, it's, she figured it was so obvious, like, almost the joke was on her for taking the time to wrap a turd. Uh, <laughs> so obviously, yes, I did mention that. I ended up just freestyling the speech, and most of what I, my, my bit was that every time I thought of a story, I remembered it was, I was thinking of Kirk from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> 
And it really descended into stuff like me going, well, there was a time Dave uh, ran the town Easter egg hunt, but he didn't make a list of where he kept the eggs. And, oh, we all had to work together to find them before they went rotten. Uh, and then his, I had only met his, his wife maybe once prior to the wedding, and I didn't know anything to say about her, so I assigned her the characteristic of really liking tomatoes. <laughs> Oh my god, guys, I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I just wanted to to share that. Uh, uh, it was it was quite a good speech. I doubt there's any recordings of it unless somebody had the forethought to grab their phone because they knew I was going up there with no plan. Uh, anyway, that's my story. So let's... Uh, I thought maybe I'd talk about some of the, the news from the San Diego Comic-Con, but uh, honestly, most of the big... There wasn't a lot of big news about things I care about. I mean, really, it was just kind of the big Marvel panel. Almost all of it was stuff that had been announced or unofficially announced before. Like, the really, the only big surprises were they put a date on the Fantastic Four movie and confirmed there is a new Daredevil series. And two Avengers movies in 2025, uh, which I assume is going to be a Infinity War Endgame situation. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't need to spend a whole, whole episode on that. Uh, though, I, you know what, I will say it's very funny because I am, I am a DC guy in terms of comics. I mean, that's where Batman and Plastic Man and Flex Mentallo and Blue Beetle live. Uh, and, you know, both as a, as a publisher, they've been on <laughs> in some rocky waters for a while now. Rough waters, not rocky waters. Uh, and in terms of movies, they have mostly been a, a largely a disaster with some bright spots. So, uh, uh, Marvel announces like 15 to 20 new TV shows and movies over the next three years. And, and DC's announcements were literally, uh, uh, hey, we have a trailer for Shazam 2. <laughs> and also, we will definitely do a thing with Batman in the future. Woo! And then I assume somebody threw a smoke bomb so they could get off the stage. Um, so, yeah, that kind of broke my heart but I'm enjoying Marvel's movies so much more so yay I, guess, I don't know anyway let's uh at least a few TV shows and I'm not going to talk really about Better Call Saul which is tremendous and uh, I'm going to watch the new episode as soon as I'm done recording but uh some of my friends who may or may not listen to this to any given episode are are several weeks behind and I'm not going to spoil anything so instead, uh, look, first show, and it seems like everybody's talking about it. You don't, you don't need me to bring this up. The rehearsal on HBO Max. It's uh, Nathan Fielder of Nathan For You's new show. Where, uh, you know, Nathan For You was initially about uh, uh, coming up with bizarre uh, uh, ideas uh, to help small businesses. And it kind of morphed into more than that along the way. Like, the finale has no business in it whatsoever. It's kind of the story about a helping a weird old guy who may not be that great track down his lost love and 
there's some weird emotional beats and it's truly amazing finding I cannot I want to say it's called Finding Forrester it is not called that that's a movie but it's the series finale of Nathan for you it's perfect the rehearsal he's working with uh, uh, regular people and helping them prepare for something in their life uh, the first episode is a guy who feels like he has to tell a friend of his that he lied about having a master's degree and so they as the title would lead you to believe rehearse it by creating an exact replica of the bar where the conversation will take place and running through a bunch of different scenarios and it's so elaborate and ridiculous but the guy is totally bought into it and there's also like this there, there's this weird passive aggressiveness from from Nathan, and I I genuinely can't tell what of his on-screen persona is a bit and what is how he interacts with the world. And I kind of don't want to know. I don't I, I don't want to see the strings. But there is this amazing bit where he's talking to the guy in the, like they're hanging out in between rehearsals. They're in a in a community pool. And the guy kind of asks Nathan about his relationship and Nathan uh, talks about getting divorced and uh, he got divorced during the run of his first series and it never came up. Like a lot of the, the later episodes are about him being lonely, but it's never, it's never addressed that he was married or that he got divorced. Uh, He does not really let in any details about himself. And but he, yeah, so he's talking to the guy and he acknowledges that. And then this, this old guy starts swimming past them and making an absolute ruckus. So they can't really talk anymore. And the voiceover explains that he, he hired a guy to swim past just in case the conversation got too personal. <laughs> Which is deranged and genius. And oh, and the, the, the second episode which they barely even get to the premise. So there's, it's at least a two-parter, but it's a woman who doesn't know if she's ready to have a kid. And so what Nathan's going to do is in fast motion, uh, show her what it's like to raise a child from infancy to 18 year old by constantly swapping out child actors with a slightly older child actor. just just that premise it's like okay that could be an entire season of a show uh it is it is it's so good it's the man's a genius it's there's there's just nothing like it and i'm it's like this even more granular version of what he was doing on his old show and oh i love it i don't think we we don't deserve nathan fielder uh, so that's kind of my favorite thing right up there with, with Saul that I'm watching right now. Uh, also, uh, uh, What We Do in the Shadows is back. And that is a, that's the FX uh, pseudo-documentary vampire comedy uh, based on the Taika Waititi movie, but with a new cast because it's in America instead of New Zealand and it's just this really tremendous show that's so consistently funny and the characters are so well developed and the cast is just unbelievable like Matt Berry is one of the funniest people in the world 
but uh, you've got uh, I, I can't remember the names of the actors who play uh, uh, Nadia and Nandor right now. I don't think I've ever seen them in anything before, but they're so so funny. Uh, Harvey Guillen is Guillermo, and he's he brings so much to what could have just been like this one joke Smithers character. And uh, Mark Proc, Proc, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he was the irritating baseball card collector on Better Call Saul, and he worked in the warehouse on The Office for towards the end of the series. He's he's so funny. He's energy vampire Colin Robinson. And uh, he died at the end of last season, and he's been reborn as a baby. And they're doing weird special... He's, he's aging quickly, but he's like seven years old now, three episodes in. And uh, it's sort of his face digitally enhanced onto a child actor <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing and he's growing up as a weird nerd who likes musical theater it's it's one of those shows where i find the fan base incredibly irritating but that doesn't that doesn't uh take away from the show for me and a lot of time in, in a lot of cases that that does uh uh, I have not finished Our Flag Means Death yet just because I find the fan base so unbearable. They're well-meaning. They're not like Zack Snyder fans. They are, but they're, they're you know, they're sweet dorks, but they're so obsessive and and uh, uh, sort of, sort of uh, uh, maybe unhealthily fixating, which for me to say that is really something. Uh, so I, I, I find it very off-putting, and it makes it hard for me to watch the show. But uh, uh, what we do in the shadows has has survived an annoying fan base for me. It's great. It's really good. Uh, I just finished watching The Bear, which is a that's an FX on Hulu, which is one of those weird ones where Hulu creates it, but it or FX creates it, but it only airs on Hulu and never on regular TV. It's called The Bear. It's about a Italian beef restaurant in Chicago. Um, and it's... To me, it's it strikes me as sort of a mix of... And these are not two shows you put in the same breath. Louis and The Queen's Gambit. Uh, Louis in the sense that it's sort of... It's sort of vignette And oftentimes episodes just sort of end rather than uh, building through story beats that you might expect to see uh, and, and the Queen's Gambit uh, which I really enjoyed but afterwards I was trying to figure out what it was that I, I liked so much about it because it didn't it, it really hyper focused on this very specific thing with chess mastery in the in the 60s and like that show, I don't think it really did anything especially unique. It just told the story it was telling well. And this is kind of like that too. Like other than uh, episode seven, which is all one long shot, uh, it's not. It doesn't strike me as necessarily innovative. It's just doing doing things that uh, are parts of other shows extremely well. And, and and I know that almost sounds dismissive, but it's it's you know it's not not everybody breaks new ground. Some people uh, are on the do a good version of the ground we've seen, 
uh, probably everybody involved with the show would be upset if 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 they heard that. But it's you'll get a ver- you'll get an idea of the kind of show it is quickly. But it's like the best version of that. Uh, which you gotta make it, like it's it's probably gonna make my best of list at the end of the year, depending on how wild things get in the next few months. But it's one that's very hard to hard to talk about because I can't really point to a thing and say, see, this is what they're doing that I've never seen before. It does, however, it's uh, it it seems very very real in the sense of the the stress the main character is constantly under. Uh, I I mean every every Gordon Ramsay show has taught me that working in a kitchen is essentially just a a pressure cooker and running a business uh from when i was a kid at my my parents owned a bakery and everybody was miserable and it was constantly on the verge of failing and like every episode is just like another damn thing went wrong and that's actually how that life is and i also sort of in terms of the anxiety and sort of the never ending churn of of people making demands of you uh, and and offering very little grace. Uh, it was the thing I really related to. So, I don't know, maybe it is more innovative than I was thinking because I'm having this really strong emotional reaction to, uh, to it. So, uh, maybe I should take back everything I said. Anyway, it's great. I would recommend watching it. It will stress you out, and if it makes you feel bad, uh, it's not going to get better. So, like if you watch, you go, "Oh my God, I want to throw up." Unless that's pleasurable for you, you might want to watch something a little, uh, little less upsetting, or a little less stressful, really. Uh, finally caught up on the new season of Only Murders in the Building. I'm once again having a having a fun time with that. Uh, every once in a while, they get a little too meta. There's a lot of jokes about season two of shows, uh, and. I, I, I don't really need that. I'm usually a guy who likes meta humor, but this, it's it's not particularly, it doesn't fit that well, but that's sort of backed off after the first couple episodes, and uh, the new mystery is compelling and weird, and a lot of the new cast members are really impressive. Uh, Amy Schumer as herself is really funny. Um it's a good it's it's so much better than i thought it would be simply because as much as i used to idolize steve martin it's been a while since there was a steve martin thing that you would be excited about oh oh hell yeah new steve martin thing you know i mean mostly it's been been uh uh bluegrass music and and like uh, playing a befuddled dad in family comedies and yeah, he's. I don't. Know, he's he's funny here in a way he hasn't been in a while, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, uh, Selena Gomez, who I am completely unfamiliar with outside of this, I think is really good and acquits herself well against these two just absolute veterans who've been friends for forty years. The fact that she could even, even uh, that she's in there with them and feels like she fits is just a testament to her, her talent. And God, Martin Short makes me laugh so hard on this show. He's 
he, it, it's the exact right version of what you want from Martin Short. Uh, well, what, what I want from Martin Short is Clifford, and that seems unlikely at this point, but this is, this is a close second. Uh, I am behind on Westworld because I do not remember anything about the last season. After season two was one of my favorite seasons of television ever. Season three, I mean, season three, if you're a Westworld viewer, you know they totally change. Like, they're not even in Westworld anymore. And most of the cast was different. And that came out early quarantine when nothing was sticking to my brain. And I would just watch something and it wouldn't, it wouldn't take hold. And then I'd just put on Perry Mason and try to fall asleep. So I thought I would rewatch that season. But uh, somebody told me, uh, a Twitter friend told me I can kind of just jump in and follow it. And I'm going to, I'll give it a shot because I really like Westworld and I'd like to get back in on it and having theories and stuff. I miss theories. I think I say that weird, that word weird. Yeah. Okay. I quit. Um, oh, hey, a movie. Uh, I saw Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, the uh, movie version of, this, of that uh, Jenny Slate sort of internet character she did for a while. Is a talking shell who tell you about little things he does because he's tiny and cute. And it is, there is no high concept to the movie beyond a long version of that, and it's wonderful. It's... It's sweet and funny, and at some point it gets heartbreaking just like crushingly sad for the dumbest reason and it works so well it's really it's really wonderful it is my it is my favorite movie of the year that doesn't involve a multiverse uh either one that's of madness or is everywhere all at once um so yeah marcel the shell oh man can't get enough of that it's so good uh, boy, I got some more shows, but it's getting close to Better Call Saul time, and we got to do the franchise report. Uh, first time in nine, well, second time in ten weeks, I haven't had an American Pie movie to watch. I I took a week off when I went to Las Vegas. Uh, so that was a a that was nice. I watched John Wick instead. Uh, I don't need to cover every John Wick movie. You know they're great. They're so fun. Uh, so this week, the Marvel movie was Doctor Strange. Guys, I love Doctor Strange. Visually, it's just crazy. I like the way he's introduced. I like the way he learns magic. I like uh, I like the escalation. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is one of the best villains they've had. Uh, that bit where he gets sort of like the... Those, that magical chainmail to hold him back and he's all his mouth is covered but he still keeps keeps talking in his weird sort of sotto voce threats is so funny uh the way dr strange wins in the end is really clever and the 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 scenes toward the end when the city has been destroyed and then he starts rewinding time but he and Mordo and 
uh, the acolytes are all moving forward while time rewinds around them. So like a wall will get assembled around somebody or they'll be lifted to the top of a building by jumping from rubble to rubble as it rises. Uh, that's, it's so cool. It's, I really enjoyed watching Dr. Strange. Uh, one thing that kind of struck me is they set up at the, in the post credit scene that Mordo is going to try to wipe out sorcerers because there are too many of them, which seems like a pretty good premise. And then, uh, that was 2016, like the week before Trump was elected, by the way, which I feel like might've hurt its box office because if you didn't see it that first weekend, you weren't in the mood to see a movie for a while is my guess. Uh, so they set that up and then uh, Dr. Strange doesn't get a sequel for six years, which most of the Marvel, uh, uh, series are in kind of a three year sequel, uh, sequel turnaround. But it also doesn't feel that long because he was in a movie every year after that. You know, the next year he's in, he's got a small role in Ragnarok, but then he's one of the main characters in Infinity War. Then he's back in Endgame and, you know, 2020, they didn't have any movies, so he can't, he can be forgiven for that. But then he's got a big role in Spider-Man and then he gets a sequel, but that's all. Mordo's in it, but it's a Mordo from another universe, so that that is not followed up on. And there isn't, there's supposedly uh, more Doctor Strange in the future, but he didn't, they've announced their next three years and there's not another Doctor Strange solo movie. So let's say it's, it's next on the docket once 2026 comes around. That's 10 years that that plot line has been sitting there. And, uh, you know, from what we've seen since then, there's more people using magic. We've seen entire entire covens and, and, and Wanda and uh, in the sequel, Camertage is even more stocked with people who are learning magic. So I don't know what they do, but it seems like such a big thing to leave behind. So I don't know. They did announce that uh, uh, Catherine Hahn's character from WandaVision, uh, Agatha, is getting a, her own series on Disney+. Plus. It's called Agatha Harkness, Coven of Chaos. And maybe that'll be about Mordo's plan. Like, maybe she's the one who stops him. Uh, that would be kind of a fun thing to do. But I don't know. It just seems weird. Also now, in retrospect, some of the... They talk a lot about a multiverse in the first Doctor Strange, but it's sort of with a different understanding of it than what they have now and... There's also a lot of worry about create about messing with time because that creates an alternate reality or an alternate timeline, which also comes up in Endgame. But is uh, according to the Loki series, no, it doesn't because there's people whose jobs it, jobs are to prevent that from happening. But you could gloss over that by saying, uh, you know, like the magic users don't know about them and they think they're just doing a good job of protecting the timeline themselves or alternately they are aware of it and but they're aware that if they split the timeline they might be the ones deemed a variant and wiped out of existence so you know you can fan wank it it's fine uh again at the time this was made i don't think they anticipated loki having a tv series that would create a multiverse um 
But yeah, Doctor Strange, highly recommend. I'm very excited for the next few weeks because uh, we're into 2017, which is the first time they did three movies, and they are all bangers. We get Guardians of the Galaxy 2, we get Spider-Man Homecoming, and we get Thor Ragnarok. It's maybe the best Marvel year. I'm so excited. Uh, over in James Bond, we broke from the official series to to get Never Say Never Again, which is the Sean Connery's last movie, you know, 15 years after his previous last movie. Uh, now, here's the situation with it is the guy, I believe his name is Kevin McCrory. He was writing a movie with Ian Fleming who created James Bond and it didn't come to it didn't work out so Ian Fleming took like what they had done and repurposed <coughs> excuse me repurposed it into a James Bond novel Thunderball which was then optioned as a movie it was the fourth movie in the series back when they made the movie sort of based on the books uh, the so and because British copyright law is crazy weird essentially what that means is this guy ended up owning part of Thunderball and since Thunderball the novel is the thing is uh, introduces Blofeld and Spectre even though they are introduced in the movies in a different movie because uh, the movies aren't the same sequence as the novels. Uh, even though that... Uh, uh, so because of that, essentially, Kevin McCrory owns those characters or owned enough of those characters that they couldn't use them. Obviously, they did use them after Thunderball for a little while. But again, copyright law is weird, and I think it was a whole court thing, but... That's why after uh, after Diamonds Are Forever, Blofeld and Spectre disappear. And Blofeld sort of alluded to once, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, but never named. Uh, and then the reason that they came back in 2015 in Spectre, which had Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, is uh, Kevin McCrory died, so the entirety of the rights... Uh, uh, reverted to the the James Bond rights holders. So, which is a long way of saying that, essentially he co-owns Thunderball, so he was able to make a James Bond movie, but it could only be based on Thunderball. <laughs> so, even though Sean Connery made Thunderball once, they had to make it again because they can't. <laughs> they they can't. Uh, do a different story because he doesn't own anything else for James Bond to do. And even though the particulars are different, beat for beat, it's very, I mean, it's, it starts out with him going to the health clinic and uh, it, it follows so closely. Uh, and also it, it's, it, it can use characters who were, uh, like who were in the novels I, I I don't exactly know how it works but he can use M, Q, and Moneypenny but those are all obviously different actors than we've seen before but nothing that was created for the movies can appear so 
like the the James Bond theme and the gun barrel opening and even like the style of the opening song they play the opening music over an action scene like with lyrics it's incredibly distracting uh so it's it's really weird and I would not I know a lot of people like it better than me I don't care for Thunderball it's I, I get very bored uh, the underwater stuff is incredibly boring and it's still boring in this one um, it's it's pretty rough I've been having so much fun with Roger Moore and this is older Sean Connery who's you know the same age as, as Roger Moore but they make a point of the fact that he's He's getting old, and he does retire at the end, essentially. But uh, I do sort of like that it's maybe the first one where Sean Connery gets to be failable. Uh, I That's one of the things about Roger Moore is he he's willing to lose a fight, and Sean Connery, and I don't know if that was just a change in how they made movies or if it was he had like a Vin Diesel deal where he had to win every punch with every fight with one punch. Uh, I don't know, but this is the first time it seemed like he was struggling and that was kind of fun, but it's kind of a lifeless performance in general. Uh, uh, Max von Sydow is Blofeld, which is fun, but he only appears briefly. Uh, Kim Basinger is in it. Uh, that, that was fun because I was young in the eighties. Uh, interesting. Irvin Kirshner wrote it or directed it. Uh, Irvin Kirshner had had a largely uh, sort of under the radar directing career, but then he directed directed Empire Strikes Back, and he followed it up with a James Bond movie, and then like ten years later did RoboCop two. So it's these weird sort of famous blips on a a sort of sort of uh you know i mean i get i mean he must have been pretty good to get the empire strikes back job but it's all movies you have mo you have not heard of but that was cool and it the screenplay is written by lorenzo semple jr who is the guy who created uh batman 66 he like he's credited as a, a consultant on every episode of the show so that's that, that was jarring. It's a weird combat <laughs> from the writer of Batman 66 and the director of the Empire Strikes Back. It's a bad James Bond movie. Um, but yeah, it didn't do much for me. Thunderball, Thunderball was not more exciting the second time. Uh, next week, though, we've got Roger Moore's last movie, A View to a Kill, which I have not watched in forever. Uh, it's sort of recognized as being bad, but also great. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see it ride ride those rails because other than Moonraker, even the bad Roger Moore movies are really fun to watch. And Moonraker's fun for a while. Uh, so, yeah. Here's me in the... Eh. Oh, here's what sucks is uh, because it's not released by the studio it's not never say never again is not included in my my blu-ray set so i had to track it because it never streams because it's separate from you know all the other bond movies and uh 
to get it on DVD cost me $40. And if I wanted Blu-ray to match all my other Bond movies, it would have been something like $200. And that's that's crazy. And in a way, I'm a little bit irritated uh, at having spent money on a movie that was just mediocre and I don't know if I'll watch again, but I'm sort of a completist and uh, it's how I'm sick. Maybe, honestly, I could probably turn around and sell it and get get easy half, three quarters of my money back. Uh, so, look, we'll see. Am I going to watch it again? Probably not. Do I like that I own it? Yeah, I kind of do. I none of this doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. Anyway, I guess next week it'll be Guardians Two and A View to a Kill, which sounds like a fun weekend to me. Um, hey, let's. Oh, well, I mean, not wrap it up. We I gotta remind you to buy some stuff from TeasedbySummer.com. Uh, great T-shirts and mugs. There's a cool water bottle that I'm getting a lot of use out of. Uh, obviously you would, uh, you know, you would not be using my water bottle. You'd be getting your own, but you will also get a lot of use out of it. It's perfect for, for like a, uh, to take a nice walk. It's not too big. You can clip it to your belt without causing an issue. It's great. Uh, just beautifully designed stuff. I'm just constantly, uh, just tickled. Uh, people at work have complimented my mugs. They compliment nothing else uh, about me or my office. Uh, but the mugs are pretty popular. Yeah, Teasedbysummer.com. They're great. Uh, they're great. She's nice. Uh, you really can't go wrong. Uh, so that's... I know the fact... It's only because it's getting long that I blew through that. I, I, I don't want to make it sound like I've... Uh, uh, have have run out of energy in uh, extolling the virtues of teasedbysummer.com because uh, that is one of one thing that you know if I had to do a TED talk that I could do it on that uh, I, I I I don't know who to whom that would be useful but uh, yeah so don't take me blowing through this as uh, as as lack of enthusiasm uh it's just going to be time for better call Saul and this episode is running long and you know how great tease by summer is just the best uh okay you can check out the apive.com i am i it's probably not going to go up until a day or two after this episode comes out but i'm uh re i'm bringing back an old spunky bean tradition where i'm doing a a list at the beginning of every month of things I'm excited about in the coming month. And there's some good stuff coming in August. So check that out. It'll be something you can read. Uh, email the show at fedtalks at yahoo.com. I'm on Twitter at EJ Fettis, on Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis. Uh, let me know what's going on. Let me know if there's a franchise I should watch. If you have a, a topic or a show I should watch and then talk about it, pitch. Pitch it. I'm willing to do anything to get your approval. Uh, that's it. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for being cool. Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.